0: Okay, so take two <laughs> yeah. of the uh, podcast of we don't know what we're doing. So that's right. I uh, left the memory card out of the camera, but mm-hmm. we're we're rolling now. So good.
1: Um, We've got the audio. Are you going to put the audio on a yes? Separ- okay, yep. there we go. Yeah, we will check have out a, the audio. Yep, check out the audio because we'll have <laughs> a link to that. But uh, this is going to be
0: an abbreviated version of what we just talked about. Yeah. So, um, so this is the Feed the Crave podcast, and we're here with uh, Rob Schof, mm-hmm. the uh, executive director of Little Galilee. So mm-hmm. uh, thanks for being with us today, yeah, Rob. Yeah, man,
1: it's, it's a pleasure. I love doing this.
0: Yeah. 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 So um, Rob, he does uh, wears a lot of hats here, and so uh, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us just a little bit about uh, what you got going on here at Little Galilee? Yeah.
1: Uh, little Galilee Christian Camp Retreat Center. Um been here since 1955 and i get to be the uh, executive director this is my third year third summer as the executive director but uh it's kind of like even though it's my third summer it feels like my first summer all over again because yeah. the first summer i came in we, we were coming off of a five-year stint in the country of haiti mm-hmm. and so the first year was just kind of learning and you know uh, figuring out what was going on assessing doing evaluation the second year covid 19 hit and so we uh, we were able to do day camps all of last summer. We were the only Christian camp in the state of Illinois that did any kind of youth programming. So mm-hmm. we're really excited happy to have that behind us. Right. And now this summer we have been uh, released to go back to full uh, overnight camps. And so we usually see approximately 2,000 or so uh, youth campers in the summertime, which is like a from memorial day to labor day and so it's it's all compact into there and so yeah so i get to be the executive director which means a lot of uh... like uh... you know church relations um, fundraising uh... financial type stuff and right. um... and even though you know my my background isn't uh... officially within camp ministry the organizational side of it is what i am very familiar with and mm-hmm. so uh, so that's what I really get to do. We've got a, a great staff of people here, program director, retreat coordinator, facilities director. We've got our registrar. And so it's definitely a team effort, everything we do here. So I'm yeah. glad to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, so uh, Feed the Crave gets to uh, be the summer missionary yes. uh, this year. So mm-hmm. um, thanks to little Galilee for yeah. allowing us to come. And, yeah. and this is actually... Uh, the apartment that I'll be staying at when I'm here yes. at camp. Mm-hmm. I'll be uh, staying in this uh, yeah. this area here. The so
1: five-star digs. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> My uh, white and red couch. That's right. It's pretty sweet. It harkens so. back to the days of picnic baskets. And <laughs> 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 right, anyway. yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so um, Rob recently uh, finished up his Ph.D. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, he, his dissertation was about... Uh, cross-cultural ministry and how language played into, mm-hmm. uh, culturation and, and all those different right. things and really being able to c- connect with the people there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about, uh, about that?
1: Yeah, I try to do briefly. Basically, um, I looked at the idea of, uh, cross-cultural leaders, mm-hmm. um, American English as a first language, uh, speaking American going over to another country um, and looking at how they acculturate um, become accustomed to the culture and how language uh, learning um, played a significant role into that and so uh, within the study um, i was able to to speak mostly to uh, missionaries um, most of them I knew and knew well, but mm-hmm. then uh, asking them kind of the attributes, like what, what was able to allow you to, uh, to acculturate, or what do you think led to your ministry success, or mm-hmm. if, if you didn't have a success, you know, if you felt that it was a failure, I never called it a failure, but right. if someone else said, yeah, I really blew it, you know, okay, well, let's explore that, like, tell me more, what do you think led to the failure? Um, so on that aspect, we're talking with the leaders himself, but then able to, to kind of talk to as well, um, host cultural members. Mm-hmm. So for example, if we talk about like Kenya, like I didn't, uh, well, let's say Zimbabwe, <laughs> like I did, or, or or the Congo or wherever. Just choose a random country. Yeah, if I I was able to speak to a an organizational leader, a missionary. American missionary to the Congo. But then I asked a Congolese, uh, you know, host cultural person, the same questions. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think leads to acculturation? And how do you think the American missionary succeed? And it, and it was interesting that the big finding was 100% of the people, whether they were a, uh, a cross-cultural leader or a host cultural member, they said, you got to learn the language. Yeah. Um, whether or not all of the the cross cultural leaders learn the language, I also interviewed uh, some who completely did, and they're fluent in the language that they live and work in, all the way to people that never learned it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and some of them have been on uh, on mission for a very long time, m- many years, and mm. have never learned the host cultural language. And then people in the middle that have been there and have learned it, but. You know, they struggle with the idea of actually being able to call themselves fluent in the language or not. Right. Um, and so they all said, you know, you've got to learn a language. The really, really cool thing about the dissertation, though, and kind of the one thing I'm most proud of, is that whether you're a uh, cross cultural leader or a host cultural member, the, the one thing that I never even anticipated when they said what leads to success, and that is humility. Mm-hmm. um now I also interviewed all Christians. so I don't know if this would also translate to maybe a secular organization or something of that nature, but humility was a huge huge role. Um, they believe that it plays a huge role in becoming successful because humility then humil if, if a leader comes in with a humble attitude, it allows uh, host cultural people the ability to trust. And that trust becomes mutual trust, which then can lead to an attitude of love. They have a loving relationship, and so out of that love is where real success and real influence and real, um, like kingdom cool stuff, yeah. you know, takes place. And so, um, it was really interesting to see the, the the relationship that existed between humility and language learning, yeah. because, you know, in order to in order to be humble. Uh, in order to learn a language, you have to first be humble enough to learn it. But then, not only learn it, you have to have humility where people aren't just projects, uh, yeah. but they're but they're people, you know. And, and you're actually there to influence lives, and not really just, you know, <laughs> write a uh, a newsletter for the people back in America that are <laughs> right. you know giving you financial support. You know what I mean? So yeah. so it, it was it was a really really cool uh, eye opening. Uh, And to me, very interesting study. So I'll probably continue to keep on, you know, um, writing and, you know, researching. And, you know, like I said, looking at even the secular side of of leadership, maybe possibly doing another similar study, but with other people. Or I just might let other people do that, you know, for their (laughs) dissertation or or whatever, you you know. So that would be you. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I I want to talk about uh, two things in there. That uh, that you uh, brought to light, which uh, one being humility, and and mm-hmm. when you think of of Jesus Christ who humbled himself, right, uh, even to the point of death, like, right, you know this this picture of humility, mm-hmm. and that humility and love really are hand in hand, right, um, and there's no like you can't separate the two, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, you know, and so um, whether you're cross-cultural ministry mm-hmm. or ministry in your home right, uh, or wherever it is, mm-hmm. like if you're doing ministry, humility and love mm-hmm. have to go yeah. hand in hand. You think of, you know, if I have all these things but I have not love, right? then what am I? I'm a resounding exactly. song or clanging cymbals, right?
1: I think it's interesting. Yeah, it totally is. And kind of the way I, I even see it is if humility is the door, Mm. And love is the destination, then trust becomes the journey. Yeah, you know, of becoming uh, a trusted or becoming trustworthy, mm. you go through those uh, those places of um, be having to be trusted. You know, and that's where humility also t- comes into place where. You know, is this, you know, you think about being an American missionary and, and what goes through the minds of host cultural people is, okay, when when are they going to flip the switch? Like, <laughs> they're, you know, they're letting me do this now, but for how long? And is it really mine? Are they really going to trust? And then when you do, you know, as a missionary, you, you, you come to a place of humility and you say, look, you know, I I'm, I know how to build a building like this, but I'm in Costa Rica and this is how they build buildings. So I'm going to learn I'm going to humble myself and learn how to do it the Costa Rican way, right. and and allow them to do it, and and actually follow through with what I said I was you know going to do that. Yeah, that shows love, you know. So that type of stuff came out in the study all all over the place. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's 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 cool. Yeah, I mean you you think of you think any
0: time that you go out in mission, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you know, like I said, it's in your own community or it's cross-cultural. Like when when the mission is an outward focus and you're and you're looking to connect to mm-hmm. people outside of your own circle, mm-hmm. there's an aspect of humility that has to come into play mm-hmm. um, because otherwise um, your attitude is not going to come across right. to, as a good one. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and in fact, even you can have really good intentions, hmm, but the yeah. way that it's perceived by people, you know, that it can be detrimental to your time, you right. know, your your at least your influence with that person. And so, one of the things
0: that that I've found that's uh, pretty crazy is that uh, in my little town of Altamont, mm-hmm. right, um, we just we just moved into town not all long ago, mm-hmm. and just found this house and per se we moved in. Um there are so many Spanish speaking whether they're they're Mexican or they're from Venezuela or what like all around us mm-hmm. that like I was just I I don't know, I was just like this is crazy. I moved here and bam, there's like all these people uh-huh. that speak Spanish as their first language. I mean, they all mm-hmm. speak English as well, mm-hmm. but like being able to connect with them on a different personal level because i can speak the language um is is pretty cool yeah and uh but to be real honest like anytime i speak spanish to someone that isn't like who i've met in costa rica and have a relationship with Mm -hmm. there's an element of humility that has to come there because like you said like I don't consider myself to be fluent, right? Mm-hmm. So I know I'm going to talk to somebody in Spanish, and they're going to be like, "This guy, yeah, like,
1: nice try." Like just today, <laughs> right?
0: Just today, I was talking to I was talking to Jose, and I said, uh-huh. "Usted necesito," and uh-huh, I was like, right. I
1: just said, "You, I need," right? "You, <laughs> I need," right? <laughs> which, if I'd ended which, there, it have been okay. Which, by now, Jose's like, <laughs> "Yeah, you, do. I know what you mean." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. what I said was, "You, I need to speak English," right? You. <laughs> Yeah, you, I need to speak English.
0: (laughs) Yeah, instead of necesita. But, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's just, it's stuff like that. that Right. You're like, I know I'm going to screw that up Mm -hmm. sometimes. I don't speak it often enough Mm -hmm.
1: that it's going to be
0: perfect every time I speak. The one thing
1: I think where humility comes into play into that scenario as well is that you need to, or or people, I think. One of the reasons I, I asked, you know, why people didn't feel that they ever learned a language is they were afraid of making mistakes. Yeah. You know what? You're going to make mistakes yeah. because it's not your first language. Right. Um, there will be mistakes, but if you if you are too afraid to make a mistake, therefore it it kind of fits into that pride mm-hmm. category. Um, most people all over the world, where I have been, that if you try to speak their language, doesn't matter what language it is, they just open up completely to you because because of the way. Christendom has moved around the world. At least in the last two centuries, they're shocked that an American would even attempt to yeah. speak their language, let alone be fluent in it. Mm-hmm. So they're very. It's very. It's a very humbling and a very gracious, uh, overwhelming experience as well. So wherever I go, whether it's a short-term trip or I'm going somewhere long-term, um, you know, language is one of the very first things. So even you know, hopefully trying to go to, uh, you know, Israel in December. Well, I'm already practicing and trying to brush up a little bit on Hebrew just to be able to say, you know, I'm getting my books back out, looking at the Arabic that I've studied and trying to just be able to say things that are kind, you know. Please, like, it's not a big word in the United States. (laughs) Please, you know, or thank you. We, you know, we tend to have a lot of, you know, we make demands. And that's part of our culture. Like, even you go to, like... To, to a restaurant, you know, and the waitress or waiter is like, how can I help you? And you're like, yeah, I need this. Yeah. You know, learning to say things like, may I please have, you know, <laughs> kind of changes the, the, the rest of the conversation. So if you started out gracious and humbly, you get a better response. That's one of the
0: things that cracked me up about Costa Rica is because you don't, when you're ordering something, mm-hmm. the way you order is you say regalame. Right? Can you gift me? Gift me? Right? Will you gift me this food? Right? Because in my mind, I'm going. It's not a gift.
1: I'm paying for it. Right. <laughs> exactly. You owe me that food. Right. Because it, yeah. Because I'm paying for it. Exactly. Yeah. But but that's the way they say. That's it. the transaction. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I always love too in Arabic when when we were in, in Morocco is when you say thank you. Right. So we we'll mm. just say thank you. The response is la shukran ala mm. which means. There is no thankful for something that I am compelled to do for you. Hmm. That's how they say you're welcome. <laughs> we just say you're welcome. Yeah. You know, they say you you can't thank me enough for something that I am compelled to do for you. Or, or not thank me enough like you you it's impossible to to thank me cuz I want to do this for you. Right. I mean that's literally what the words say. Hmm. So it really just allows us I think to put ourselves into the perspective of the other person. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, one of the things
0: that uh like we said, if you listen to the to the audio, um one of the things that we talked about was was language in our culture mm-hmm. and if we're if we're going on a mission, just how important it is uh to speak the language of of, of the people
1: right. that uh that we're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that could be that could be overseas, that could be in our own yeah. neighborhoods, you know. So like we talked about before, like being in Altamont, Altamont is pretty rural, mm-hmm. um, but you don't speak the same in Altamont that you do in St. Louis. Right. So learning the rural to the suburban, to the to the urban, and even urban areas are different. You know, you go to the New York with all of the different barrios, you've got different parts and they speak differently. I mean, someone from not not from New York would say, oh, that's a New York accent, but people in New York would know if you're from the Bronx or if you're from somewhere yeah. else by your accent. Uh, even, in, you know, Chicago. So St. Louis and Chicago really aren't very far apart, but they speak a different urban language. Yeah. And so understanding where you are being led or where the Lord has put you, you have to have a contextualization um, for the culture in which you speak. And it might be your own culture, you know, yeah. it, American, but really you start to think about, well, it is American culture. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's it's so wide and so diverse. I mean, we experienced this recently with the like the CDC, right? With all of the protocols and stuff. So the CDC is a federal oversight where they want to do the same, uh, you know, COVID protocols for Altamont, Illinois, that they want to do for Los Angeles, California. Yeah. You know, it's just wide across the board. Well, we all know that L.A. is very different from anywhere else that you live. You yeah. know, so. Yeah. It's understanding the context and where we're at in, in hearing the language and being able to not just hear the the language and learn the words, but it's understanding the meaning that goes behind those words. So, you know,
0: doesn't matter if you're at home talking to your neighbor across the street,
1: mm-hmm.
0: knowing what... Things they enjoy and how to speak into those Mm -hmm. to connect with Him on a deeper level, right? So that you can show Him Christ
1: Mm -hmm. um, takes humility and love, exactly. uh, To be able to do that, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, because you you humbled yourself and, in fact, have denied your own kind of way of thinking in order to adopt the way of thinking of another so that they may know Christ,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So language, uh, language is huge, whether you're in the,
0: in the U.S. or you're going from the U.S. to somewhere else mm-hmm. or wherever you're at. Um, knowing the language, speaking the language, and, and uh, just acculturizing yourself, I mm-hmm. suppose, mm-hmm. Um, is, uh, is so important uh, when, when Christ is first and foremost in your life. and yeah. that's, the, that's the mission and vision. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, So humility and love always goes before.
1: Yes, (laughs)
0: absolutely. That's, that'll preach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, like I said, um, we have a lot more audio if you, if you would download that and listen to that, but uh, we're going to be back in here Mm -hmm. uh, in weeks to come uh, Mm -hmm. with some more podcasts with, with Rob. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll uh, stay with us and stay tuned because we got more good
1: content coming up. Mm-hmm. So, yes, sir. sir. Thanks, Sean. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Rob. Yep. All right. We'll see you guys. All right. Bye bye.